Hey, everybody, Alan Arnett here with another podcast on the blog on alanarnett.com. It is Friday, April the 8th, and today I've got an incredibly special guest, Jennifer Drummond. Jen, how are you doing? I am fantastic. Thanks for having me today. And you are in Hawaii. I am getting a little R&R time before the next mountain. I was going to say that's uh, odd training for Mount Logan, but uh, we'll... <laughs> you know... It's you the know, extremes. We have to balance ourselves. The beach and, you know, in your flip-flops and you call that training. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I, Jen and I met through email on July 8th, 2020. At 6.03 a.m., I received a message from her uh, through the Summit Coach client uh, contacting, and she said, I did code epoxy last December, and I'm strongly considering Amundeblom this fall with Everest in the near future. I'd like some independent advice on climbing companies, as well as some prep advice, coaching for skills and fitness. And as they say, the rest is history. So Jen and I spoke uh, that July, I guess it's approaching two years ago now. And that was just when COVID was getting, uh, getting legs. And you never did Amadablam, did you? No, I did. It was, I did. I went with Garrett that fall. I see. See how, yeah. quickly, see how quickly we forget. So yeah, you went with Garrett Madison, Madison Mountaineering. By the way, I just did a podcast with him from Namshi Bazaar a couple of nights ago, which was oh. tremendously fun. Um, I love that human. So, but when we were talking though, uh, you wanted to do you wanted to do something special, right? You just didn't right. want to go out and just. And, and originally, you were kind of thinking about Everest and the seven summits, but then well, it, the, something was just. I just didn't. It didn't ring for you, right? Right. So back up a little bit. Um, I turned 40 in 2020 and I had asked a friend if there's one mountain that you would climb, what would it be? And he had mentioned Ama de Blom. So I had done Cotopaxi to train for Ama. And then the company that I was looking at climbing Ama with was not going um, because of COVID reasons or whatever. And during that spring, I was telling my kids like, oh, I'm training for AMA. I'm training for AMA. And my son was doing his math homework. And I'm like, he was complaining. I'm like, listen, buddy, we do hard things. You got this. He's like, well, if we do hard things. Why aren't you climbing Mount Everest? Because who's AMA, right? Like he had no idea what that was. And I said, you know what? Fair enough. You know, it's COVID. There's nothing to do with our time. Maybe I will climb Everest and um, I will figure out AMA. And we talked about it or whatever else like that. So then he did his homework. I kind of looked into Everest more, called you because I wanted help on figuring out with all the COVID times going on, is anybody running an expedition? Um, wanted to understand a little bit more about Everest and the seven summits. And then you recommended I read a book. Um, I think Uphill Athlete, Maybe yeah, training for the new alpinism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, something, I think one of those books. So I bought them and in the front pages of the book was about some lady that had set a Guinness world record um, going across the Alps or something like that. And my kids every year want me to buy that Guinness world record book of all the new records that happened because they think <laughs> it's the coolest thing ever. Nice, and nice. so I was reading that and I called you and I said Alan, I could have done that. Like, that's something I can suffer to get a Guinness World Record. My kids would actually like me because they're all at the ages where they're not, you know, mom's not as cool as she was. So, and you're doing all this to get your kids to like you. Okay. Carry yeah, on. right, right. I mean, come on. I have to be a cool mom. <laughs> and um, 
I think you, you're the one who came up with the seven second summits idea. Yeah. And then I had no clue what that meant, but I liked the fact that it was respectable amongst the peers that were in the industry. Right. And I liked the number seven. So it <laughs> onward and upward. And, and, and what's amazing is that when you did contact me, you said your experience, you mentioned one of them, you did Cotopaxi, which is a 20,000 foot volcano in, in uh, Ecuador. You did the Grand Teton three times in the Middle Teton. Uh, then you did various climbs in Moab and St. George, but also you had done some Ironmans and you're an avid snow skier. Uh, so physically, you know, at the ripe old age of uh, that, you know, you just... <laughs> your 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 basic physical shape you're in a really high level of fitness yes that helped a lot and i played college soccer so i think it's funny we don't always connect the dots why we're doing the different things we're doing but yeah. then when you get to a new spot you can look back and soccer gives you that sprinting and stopping and going and like you know it gives you all these different speeds that you're making your body work at and recover while you're still on the field going right and I got in, I had children, got into triathlon as a way to meet people when I moved to Park City, um, which really built up a strong endurance base. And so what I was lacking was just the technical skills and those kinds of things, depending on what mountain was coming up. So we looked at what mountain came up and then filled in the gap as it got closer. And you, and you were born in the high, high mountainous area of Michigan. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. We skied like growing up, skied on a garbage dump. So there you go. It was awesome. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, I, I think that air is. <laughs> I think you're totally qualified to go climb Everest and K2 and all the rest. So since the second seven summits, like most people that follow the, my, this brought a podcast and my site will know what it is, but there are seven mountains, which are generally maybe eight, maybe nine, depending upon how you want to count them, uh, that are the highest mountain each one of the seven continents. Um, and so I'm going to name the mountain and you tell us what the second highest is. Little game here. Okay. This, this is a test. Are you ready? All right. Let's hope I pass. So you're not crossed. getting test anxiety or anything, right? No, no, no. I think I'm okay right now. <laughs> All right. Okay. Mount Everest in Nepal. K2 in Pakistan. Aconcagua in Argentina. Ojos del Salado in Chile. Denali in Alaska. Mount Logan in Canada. Kilimanjaro in Africa. I have Mount Kenya in Kenya. And Vincent in Antarctica. Mount Tyree in Antarctica. And Mount Kosciuszko in Australia. Mount Townsend in Australia. Karsten's Pyramid in New Guinea. See, I think they call this Sumantri in Papua New Guinea. Um, yeah, or, or Punka Tricora. Or Mandala, maybe even. There's I think they debate on between those two now or something. Two, I'm calling it Sumantri. There we yeah. go. And then if you if you uh, and if you want to make the uh, the Western Europeans happy, we include Mont Blanc as one of the seven summits. Yeah, I yes. I and I'm not that. even sure what 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 would be the second seven summit for Mont Blanc. I don't know. I don't know either. Okay, well we'll we'll look that up. 
I'll, I'll, I'll look that up and I'll put it as a little, little uh, <laughs> uh, notation across the screen here. So yeah, so there's nine seven summits, but actually most people consider there to be eight seven summits with the, the seven and eight going between Kosciuszko and Australia, which Dick Bass did originally, because he's the one that really came up with the idea. And uh, he, you know, he, you're, uh, you're living in, in uh, Park City now, and he did Snowbird right around the corner from you, I guess. And um, so Carson's Pyramid and, and uh, then also um, Kosciuszko goes between the two of them. So you've got your, so tell us how many you've done so far in the second seven. So I have completed four. I've attempted five. Um, I did not have success on K2. So I, my plan this year, if things all go as planned, you know, that's like a curse in the mountaineering world <laughs> is I will go to Mount Logan in May. I will go attempt K2 again in July. Um, the thought is that some people are trying to run expeditions in Papua New Guinea. So I will either leave from Pakistan to quick knockout Sumantri over there, or I'll come home, do Sumantri, and then from Sumantri fly down to Australia. And since Mount Townsend is the easiest of the seven seconds, my plan is to fly the kids out and we'll climb up that one together. Yeah, yeah, Kosciuszko is like, uh, I mean, it's like a ski slope. Actually, it is. It's a ski resort, the whole Kosciuszko okay. area. Hey, I, I realized we forgot one, uh, Elbrus in Russia. was the second? Oh, slope? yeah, yeah, Dick Tao, Dick Tao. And that one, uh, that one was really, I talked to Garrett about that the other day, and he had some, some gnarly words to say about it. He said it was the toughest climb he's ever done. Yeah, yeah, it, it was difficult for different reasons, right? For me, it was really difficult because they lost all my luggage. So I got there. I it when that it's, a, it's a technical climb. I got there. I have no boots, no nothing. And they said, well, the weather's now, so we're going now. So we went to a rental store. And I had to rent everything. I even had to buy, like they didn't have women's underwear. So I bought boys underwear, right? I had to buy socks and underwear and we stopped at it. I mean, it was insanity. And so my boots were this big and oh, it, my, my goal when I landed was, okay, we probably won't summit. So I'm just gonna go as far as I can to take as much information as I can. So when I come back, it's gonna be that much better. Because there's a like a split second where I'm like, F this, I'm going home, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. we rented gear and I'm like, every step I take is just knowledge for the future. And we pressed on and summited. And I am so grateful because when will we ever be able to go back? Yeah, yeah. Garrett made the same point that uh, you had a couple of Russian guides that were just really excellent. Um, yeah. And you had a solid team. It was just you and Garrett and Chase. Hey. Yeah, 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 and so just the five of you climbing this thing, and he said it was some of the most exposed, you know, dual ice axe technical climbing at altitude that, uh, and it's uh, 17,077 feet, 5,200 meters, so it's a yeah. serious, serious mountain. Oh, yeah, we got electrocuted while we were up there, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I'll, I, I thought the guy was nervous saying like we should get down and we were 30 minutes from the summit and i'm like no we are not leaving we are going to the summit and so we get to the summit and they're like you could tell because they don't speak the best english there was the energy had shifted right and they're like okay picture down picture down and so we were going down and i thought if you were an electrical storm you would always see lightning 
but you don't, you can just, you can just feel it. And all of a sudden I was hot on the back of my back. And I'm like, why am I so hot? It was my ice axe got connected. So I had to take it out, throw it on the snow and then go down on my belly. And then we walked a little bit further. And then I felt like all of a sudden it was hailing. And I had this like hailing in my face, right on my forehead. I'm like, why is it? I doesn't feel, I don't see hail, but I feel hail. And then Garrett's like, you're dropped to the ground. So I dropped to the ground to disconnect again. And we had that happen like a few times before we got low enough and it wasn't an issue. So it was one of those climbs where you're like, I am so done with this place on so many levels. I can't even talk about it. I thought you were going to tell me that you were concerned that the electricity was going to cause your hair to frizz. <laughs> no, I was actually, I'm like, actually, I read this article once about a girl who got electrocuted and her hair turned white. I would love it if my hair turned white. <laughs> that would be amazing. It didn't happen. <laughs> so. I, those Russians are probably going crazy American girl. I tell yeah. you, I don't, what are we doing up here? I She's know. All killed. <laughs> My outfit was horrendous too, just to let you know. I had to like buy any, the, anything that they had. It was like, well, this is the only color we have. And I said, okay, well, we're going to make it work. <laughs> and we know how important your hair is. It is. So, um, you know, I know you're, I know you're a very private person when it comes to your personal life with one huge exception, or maybe I should say seven huge exceptions. And those are your children. So I want to, I want to discuss how this mother of seven biological children. You had all seven of these kids. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about that the other day, that you must have been pregnant throughout your 30s. I mean, the entire decades. Yeah, yeah, 26 to 32, I think, yeah. Is that what it was, 26 to 32? It's like my grandmother had 13 kids. I mean, she was pregnant her entire life, you know? Right, right, right. No, it was like, it, it was an era, right? There's an era of my life that was, I was pregnant, for sure. <laughs> I love how goal-oriented you are. You're like, okay, we're going to have kids. So let's, let's Come on, let's go. Let's go. Let's pop them out. So, <laughs> But your your children are are just everything. I know you well enough to know that I can say this with confidence, that they are everything to you. Um, and your number one priority on these climbs is to get back home to your children. Um, so you you said you started off, we started off this with you saying, your, you know, your son was asking, you know, well, you know, yeah, mom, when are you going to do something hard? You know, as if you hadn't, you know, business, right. but um, what do you, what do you, what do you hope that your children that let's say when they are your age, when they're 40 and they're in their forties, what do you, what do you hope that they say about mom, your grandmom at that point, but what do you hope they say about you? Yeah. You know, um, that I lived life right? That I leaned into discomfort and I challenged my edges um, and just made the most out of opportunities that showed up and then created opportunities that I was interested in pursuing. I have seven little people and <laughs> they watch me, right? Like when I worked yeah, before yeah. in finance, it's not a very visual goal to share with children. Right. Yeah, I mean, you kind of tell them what you did, but they don't really understand it. When you're doing mountaineering and I have to train or I have to eat healthy or I'm doing ice baths to get my body used to the cold temperatures. They're watching that and they realize, oh, not everything is, you know, rainbows and unicorns when I want to make something cool happen. Sometimes we have to do these difficult things, but once we get through those difficult things, we get to do awesome things, right? Exactly. Oh, so, yeah. You know, what? You know, go ahead. Go ahead. 
one of the things I, uh, I, and I know I've said this to you as well, is that when you're, when you're preparing to go on a climb, you know, there's different aspects of it, physical, you know, mental, emotional, but one of the most important things I think, especially for, um, well, actually for anybody, anybody that has anyone in their life that's important to them, and I don't care who that is, that is that you leave nothing left unsaid. So when you, when you get ready to go on these climbs, like when you went to Everest and, you know, summited that last year, um, when you went to K2 also last year, those are pretty dangerous mountains with, um, you know, people die, full stop, people die. And what, so what was it that you left not unsaid to your children as a, as a group or maybe individually, however you want to look at it? Um, you know, when you know that you're going to be gone for one, I don't think my kids understand how dangerous some of the mountains are by design. Um, they just don't have a reference to put that in play. And then two, when you know you're going to be gone, you're very intentional about when you're there, right? So I have weekly dates with each one of them. We sit down and we talk about things. We have family meetings. For example, Tyree this winter was over Christmas, Yeah. right? And Christmas is my holiday all day long. It's our family's holiday. It's our favorite time. And I was thrilled that I got the chance to go. And then so angry that they were making, you know, the only time I could go is if I would miss Christmas. So I sat down with my kids and I said, Hey, listen, um, mom has this opportunity to go climb that mountain that she wants to climb. But if she does that, she misses Christmas. And this is a family decision, not a mom decision. If it was a mom decision, I would have already made it. But because we're having this meeting, I want everybody to weigh in and say what they think, you know, what they feel. So if I go on the climb this year, we'll have to do Christmas early. If I don't go on the climb this year, that's fine. Christmas will be the same and I'll save it for another year. I really don't care because I want you guys to weigh in. And my 12 year old son says to me, mom, you've always told us that Christmas is a feeling, not a day. Oh my Why God. does it matter what day we celebrate Christmas on? And then of course my young twins, they're like, does that mean we get two Christmases? <laughs> right? So, you know, I think having those conversations and letting them know that what we decide is what we decide. And so we're in it together. They feel like they're in it with me. I have posters up of the climbs. We go through the map of where we're going to be. We talk about the people that I meet there. I normally bring them something back. Technology these days allows you to connect way more than it has in the past. Um, and I can share with you actually a letter that I wrote. Um, I have one of these for each one of my kids, but I, I change it based on the climb that I'm doing. So that if God forbid something does happen, they have something. So I'll, my oldest son's name is Jack. So this one's for Jack. It says, Dear Jack, this is the hardest letter I've ever written. And I'm certain it will be the hardest letter that you will ever read. For if you are reading my words, then I am gone. Something unpredictable and horribly unimaginable has happened to me in Antarctica. At this moment, I wish my arms could reach out from this page and wrap around you to comfort you like no other. I would hold you and whisper in your ear that I love you, that everything will be okay. One of the best moments of my life was the day that you were born, the day I became your mother. From the moment we locked eyes, it was love at first sight. Our special bond was instantaneous, undeniable, and everlasting. Of all the things I've done in my life, nothing compares to being your mom, nothing. 
You live in my core. You taught me how to be more kind, more loving, more patient, and more selfless. Right now, I'm sure these words feel empty. Right now, you're full of sadness and perhaps anger with questions that demand answers. How could I leave you? How could I choose Antarctica over spending the rest of my life loving you and watching you grow into a man? I promised I would be safe. I promised I would be back. You deserve answers. Part of living, really living, is to continuously grow and learn and challenge your limits. I believe to my core that the best way to live a good life, a full life, a happy life, is to seek challenge and to take risk, try new things and push into the unknown. If I hadn't chosen Antarctica, then I might've been a trail running on a mountain in Patagonia or climbing an unnamed peak in Nepal or sailing in the Caribbean. You may have been there too. You see, we, don't be afraid of what will happen if you challenge yourself. You must do things you think you cannot do. For you must live and use your gifts to the fullest to share your light with the world. You never know what day will be your last. So don't wait for the perfect moment to step out and into your full self. I know this may sound empty and meaningless because nothing will bring me back to you. I hope over time that all, all of this makes sense. I didn't die a senseless death. I died while truly living. And my wish for you in life is to stay in your own path and be fully alive. Promise me to live each day. I've spent 15 amazing years with you, my best years. I know your character. I see your heart. You're destined to do great things in this world. I know you'll be true to yourself. I'll be watching you with you every step of the way. All my love, mom. And I write these letters to them because it reminds me when I'm there how serious what I'm doing is on all levels. And I need to just constantly check in and make sure, is the risk right? Am I doing the right thing? Am I, my goal is to come home. And, you know, I didn't summit K2 this summer and I didn't summit K2 because it wasn't right. And I came home. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a powerful letter. I'm, did he, did he um, ever read it? No, they haven't read it because I haven't had to give it to him. <laughs> so. <laughs> I mean, that's something that um, I'm sure you'll, I'm sure you'll give it to him one day and, and yeah. along with the story to, to all of them run through your, run through the ages of your children. Yeah. 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 So Jack's my oldest at 15. Um, Joe is my second oldest at 14. Jacob is 12. John is 11. Josh is 10. And the twins are nine. So Jana and Julia. I, I see a, a pattern here with Jay. Yeah, so. Jay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So you, so you say you keep in contact with them on your own expeditions. Are you able to call them by satellite phone or whatever cell phone? Yep, 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 yep. So we satellite phone um, a lot. And then I have the Garmin. A yeah. lot of times I'll just send a message home on the Garmin because the satellite phone comes in and out depending where we are and just give an update. And then there's seven of them. So every Monday, it might be a message to Jack. Every Tuesday is to Joe. And then they send a message back and yeah. it just keeps. And then that allows them to communicate to the family. Hey, here's what mom said today. And then the next child says, here's what mom's report is today. So that it just keeps everybody involved. So I'm going to ask a horribly unfair question that I'm uncomfortable in asking, but I'm going to ask it that, um, that I would never, I would never ask this question of a man that had seven children, or maybe I would, right. 
you know, of, and I'm sure people listening to this and have read, you know, other interviews with you and things go, how can Jen do this? How selfish, you know? And I think you answered this in the context of your letter to Jack about living life. And I always had the saying that if you live your life trying to avoid death, you're already dead, you know, and life is full of these risks and you survived a near fatal, just miraculously uh, horrible car accident a few years ago. And that's part of what puts you on this path to, you know, make a statement and make a difference and be a role model to your kids. But so how do you, I mean, how do you answer these noisy critics out there? Um, I, do I, I do. Well, you know, you kind of let, you realize that everybody's looking at life through their lens. So if they were to parent the way that they parent and do the things that I do, it wouldn't feel right. But because I'm doing the things that I'm doing, I have to compensate for that when I'm there and being intentional. And I'm very disciplined. I'm very scheduled. I am very purposeful. Um, I'll take kids out of school to go out to lunch with them. I will just silly little things because my job right now is climbing these seven second summits and raising them. Okay. I, I worked before I retired from that job and so I don't have that competing against me. And I'm also very lucky in the standpoint, I have a super supportive community and family. Yeah. My, every yeah. time I travel, grandma comes, we have a live-in nanny that I used to nanny for. Oh. Who's been with, yeah, 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 yeah. So she's been with us since the beginning of time and she's like their second mom. Yeah. Um, and to me, the more people that love my children like a mother does, the better off my children are. And I've been doing the hypoxico tent so I can cut a lot of the expeditions shorter than what they would be maybe otherwise, just because I'm acclimatizing as much at home as possible. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, we, I get asked it and I just understand that we all look at life differently. And unless they take the time to get to know me and see me, they have a fair judgment. You know, you are one of the most goal oriented, yes. just, I mean, you don't take no for an answer um, person I have ever met in my 65 years on this planet, including working in high tech with a bunch of uh, unique personalities. I'll just leave it like that. Um, and you just, I mean, when, when, when it, when we kind of settled in the second seven summits, I remember, I think I told Diane, my wife, I said, she's going to do it. I have no <laughs> doubt. I have no doubt. She's going to be the first woman to do the second seven summits. And we're 99.999% sure because we don't think any other woman has done Dictal in um, Russia. And we know only of two females that have done um, Tyree in Antarctica. So yes. yeah. and, and the other person, uh, she hasn't done any of the other second seven. So no, yeah, Marie, um, Pachi, right. I actually met with her before I oh. went to climb Tyree. It was amazing. I was hoping she'd be able to climb it with me just because it'd be fun being two women up there. But she had just broken her leg, so she wasn't climbing this season. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she's done Tyree. I'm the second female to do it. And she has not really climbed outside of Chile or South America or Antarctica yet. Okay. All right. So let's, um, uh, so thanks for, uh, thanks for sharing that, uh, that letter. It's just really powerful. I, I hope people uh, rewind this, whether they're in the car or watching the uh, YouTube or on the podcast and hit, listen to it again. That's uh, it's pretty amazing. 
So let's uh, let's as we re as we kind of reach towards the end of this, I want to do. Uh, I don't want to ask you which one is your favorite, which one was the hardest, you know, all these normal questions, because you've answered that a thousand times, and I think most people would know. But uh, so which one was the hardest? No. Um, so what I'm going to ask you questions about each one of these things. So on K2, what was more enjoyable, the, tr the, the trek on the Baltero getting to base camp or uh, climbing um, House's chimney up to camp two? House's chimney, 100%. <laughs> like all day long because <laughs> you you just felt accomplished when it was done and when you trek in it's just this long slog of the same thing in fact i'm trying to figure out if i could helicopter into base camp this coming season so oh, i have to do it again no no that's cheating you can't do it no <laughs> i thought the trek in the baltero was one of the most amazing experiences though it's just beautiful it is beautiful yeah Trango and Nameless and all of those. Okay, what was your, so this is another uh, softball question. What was your favorite part of uh, Ojos de Salado? <laughs> that I was finished. <laughs> um, if I had to be honest, it was, my favorite part was my camera guy with me, Ted Hesser, and we were climbing it together and it was so cold and so freezing and I was so angry and bitter. And I thought for sure of all the mountains, I was gonna have to come back and do that one. And Ted gave me his gloves. And I just remember that feeling of love by another human <laughs> that was suffering so that I wouldn't be so bitchy. And I like my, my memory of Ojo del Salado is being loved on by my camera guy and <laughs> like that. I mean, that's it. That's my favorite memory of it. I was like, oh, see, people show up when you need them to. Thank you. I think you sent me a text message or a WhatsApp or something from down here. And all you said was never again. <laughs> it was never. something to that effect. You, were, you go, I hated this place. <laughs> oh my God. Like, I'm not kidding you. From 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., the entire day was... <sighs> I mean, it is so windy because of the sun convection and what it does to the landscape there yeah, yeah. that you can't even think. It is a form of torture. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, Tyree was uh, also a very rarely climbed mountain. You did it with uh, Antarctic Logistics Expeditions, ALE, and you had uh, three, three professional mountain, four professional mountain guys with you. Um, was it, compare that to Dick Tal in terms of the physical climbing. Oh, it's harder than Dick Tell. Hmm. Yep. So um, I had the most amazing guides. ALE ran the best expedition that I've been on so far. Um, we were so taken care of, so well organized. Everything was, and then Mother Nature showed up like she was showing off. I mean, it was amazing. <laughs> and so we got up to camp. You go up to camp, high camp, right? Because there's only one place to sleep. And you wish that high camp was higher because your first day really isn't that big of a day. And prior to us doing it, the, the second day is typically 24 plus hours. And so if you could just, you know, get higher and it was safe to camp, you'd be in heaven. But then you start hiking and it is a 21 pitch ice climb where you're two ice axes and two toe picks into the ice. And lucky for us, you know, conditions make all the difference in the world. For the most part, we had pretty good conditions, but there was some sections where you were kick, 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 and then you could finally get through that blue ice and get your toe pick in. And then you would have to do it again. And 
what happened was is two of the guides went ahead and set all the anchors and all the sections up so that when I climbed, I had a guide in front of me, me in the middle and a guide below because Antarctica has no helicopters. So right. if there's any problem You're, that you need, that's why they have four clients to one or four guides to one client, because we all have to work together to get somebody injured down. And it is extreme technical climbing. I mean, not, I mean, not technical where you have to worry like an icicle is going to break, but technical on the standpoint of that top last couple sections of the, the pitch climbing was blue ice. It rejected you. You really had to pick your points, right? And if you didn't have, you know, if you had your ankle any wrong way, then you would slide out. And, um, and then once you got past that 21 pitches, then it was a little bit of a walk again, right? You know, anytime you're only using two limbs instead of four, right? Life's good. So. Yeah. <laughs> and are you, are you, are you proud of yourself for, um, for learning so fast to be able to do this level of, of climbing? Yeah. You know, I was, so another thing that I should mention, I was a gymnast when I was really young, Okay, a yeah. very competitive gymnast. And so I have that ability to know how my body responds in the air. And you just have that natural muscular strength that I think sometimes yeah. if you don't have that in your background. It's harder yeah. to build up later in life. Um, yeah. So I'm really lucky from that standpoint. Cool. So I'm purposely not going to talk about K2 or Everest or ask you about either one of those because um, Everest, especially, you know, that's what I'm, that's what I'm spinning seven by 24 doing right now. <laughs> but um, in K2, that's for another time. We'll talk about that when uh, maybe this fall, when you come back and you've got them all done. Yeah. So, but uh, one last question, the ones you've done um, uh, in um, Mount Kenya in Africa. Um, so what did you enjoy more? The final technical rock climbing to the summit or the culture and your guide? Okay, so I like, so I had a guide come in just for that day to climb, okay? The people that I was with for the trek in and all the parts of it were amazing humans. Yeah. The guide I was with was not really impressed with me, okay? So we didn't get off. You know, I think it's a little bit because I'm a, there's, they have a different culture. It's very patriotic there or whatever. And he was trying to convince me that Nellian was the highest point. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, no friend. I know this. We're going over there. Right. So well, he um, wanted to cut it short. Yeah. He wanted to be done. He's like, no, we're done. We're done. I'm like, no, we're not done. I know this. I studied this mountain before we came and he's like, no time. I'm like, yes, we have time. I know this. So it was, the climb was really cool just because it's so different from all the other ones, right? I mean, it's a rock climb and then yeah. you have ice axes and everything on the back. Very side. different to Kilimanjaro, night and day. Well, yeah, I think they even say on a good year, like around 14,000 people summit right. Kilimanjaro and on a good year, maybe 15 people get to Batian. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was, I, Africa is such a beautiful country and the people there are just so amazing when they, and you, you know, you run into a bad one every now and then. So, you ever, uh, you ever, did you do a safari also? You, you came back home, right? I came back home. I'd done a safari before. Oh, okay. Okay. So, say that, I was going to bring the kids on that one to do a safari, but with all the COVID stuff, it was yeah. just not worth all the, the, I was, someone got COVID and we got stuck there. I was just like, well, it's not the time to do this right now. Right. Right. Yeah. It's also kind of more, it's even more amazing that you've been able to climb, do all these climbs in, in the midst of COVID around the world with all yeah. the travel restrictions and, and the sadness going on with that. 
So um, we're going to wrap up. You've got, um, you got Logan coming up in what, a few weeks that you leave. And so yeah, we're leaving May 4th. Um, two of the guides from Antarctica are going to come do it. We've built our own team. So I'm really excited about it because it's all friends and people I've worked with before. Um, so yeah, getting excited and ready. And this will be the only mountain that you've skied on, I think, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, we're bringing skis. We were in Alaska last week training on skis, um, making sure everything's right and ready to go. So that's a long good. approach. A long approach. Yeah, it's yeah. more of a, I mean, it's, it's, it's really a, um, I don't know what, a, a marathon, a siege trying yeah. to get up Logan. And not many people do it either. No, I think there's only two teams this year that are going for it, or one of them. I know that the Canadian mountaineering rescue community, um, they were just, they finally had to put a limit on how many people um, are trying these difficult mountains in Canada because so many people were getting rescued. And I think Logan, they shortened the season pretty dramatically. Yeah. Yep. They did. And I think they're, I think literally this year they're allowing two teams to go or something. Yeah. So once again, you know, stars align for you. <laughs> yeah. We're happy. We're going. Like I said, I mean, you know, if you said you're going to be the, you know, the first woman on Mars, I'd go, yeah, where, where can I put my money down on that? <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Because you would definitely do it. All right, Jen. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time. I know it's a little bit early there in Hawaii, but the sun is shining, it looks like. And I think you got the beach calling to you and the kids just right out the window. Thank yeah. you so much. Uh, it's such a, it's yeah. so, much, so much fun, so much fun working with you. Just, I mean, just, it's been oh. a real delight and um, just wishing you all the best for a safe and successful experience on, uh, on Logan. Thank you, Alan. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Climb on. <laughs> yep.